Hi, I'm Craig Williams, the founder of Journey 12 and the publisher of Fusion Magazine, as well as Engaging Bobcats podcast. I'm so excited about today's episode because today is Friday, May 20th, one day, just one day before the Meridian class of 22 walks across the stage and receives their high school diplomas. I just want to say how proud I am of the young people of this remarkable school community. You know, during this past year, I've had the opportunity, really the privilege, to speak with dozens of these kids and have come to better understand their hopes and dreams, as well as their tragedies, setbacks, and frustrations. But you know, to a person, each and every Meridian student I have had the honor to meet has a kind of buoyancy and positivity that you just don't find everywhere. I had the chance to sit down earlier today with Mr. Malcolm Larry to talk about what it's like coming back to your hometown to teach. Now, we were joined by Mr. Green, and over the span of about 30 minutes, I came to know this giant of a man who so loves the place where he came up and is so grateful to be here once again. So, gentlemen, I want to get a closer look at kind of what goes on behind the scenes. And Malcolm, when I meet people who work in the district for the first time, I'm always fascinated by their Meridian, what I call their Meridian story. Because, you know, if you work here, you didn't just stumble in by accident. Oh, I didn't. You meant to be here, right? So can you tell me your Meridian story in a nutshell? What brings you here and, and what makes this place so special for you? Yeah, uh, I was born and raised in the district of Pulaski, Illinois. Uh, I'm actually a 2008 graduate of Meridian High School, played basketball four years, uh, was able to play in college. The, the thing that brought me back to working at Meridian is when COVID hit, the job that I was working at, we got shut down. And when we reopened, they didn't call me back. So uh, the athletic director, Mitch Haskins, called me one day and he said, Malcolm, you really should think about flying out to Meridian as a long-term sub because they need more black men in the school district because there's not very many. So I applied and I was for the opportunity to get to position. And I really am excited to be back working out here to give back to the community that's given me so much. And you grew up in Pulaski, you say, right? Yeah. Yes, sir. I grew up seven miles down the road. Yeah. So I just spoke with a young lady yesterday who, who also grew up in, in Pulaski. Actually, I, um, uh, Janiah believe, do you know Janiah? Yeah, I do know her. Yeah. Sweet girl, motivated girl. She got a heart of gold. Maybe it's in the water over in Pulaski. I don't know, <laughs> but you know, you make a really interesting point and I want to drill down a little bit on that. I mean, we look at the demographics. We know that your community, your school community is nearly 80% black. Mm -hmm. yes. And I heard you say that, uh, that, you know, Mr. Haskins said, you know, look, we'd love to have you here. And you recognize that there's value of having another black male teacher on site in, in this community, because this is your community. Talk to me about why that's important to you. Maybe even think about it back in the day when you were in school here and then project forward and share with us a little bit why that's important to the students today. Yeah, most definitely. Growing up here and going to school here, we had teachers walk in the hallway that looked like us, that came from backgrounds like us. And that's not a knock on the teachers that the district has now, but there's not many teachers that look like, you know, us, like a black man or a black young lady. Right. And uh, that makes it harder for them to trust, I feel like, in my opinion, 
uh, when I was going to we, my, my high school history teacher, I had a high school English teacher. They all could kind of feel where we were coming from with certain things. And uh, I just feel like now these kids need somebody that knows the struggles of the everyday life of coming from a, a poverty stricken area. Like I didn't have much growing up. We may do with what we had. So I feel like I can connect with kids in the lower grade level and as well as the kids in the higher grade levels from a standpoint that maybe many teachers that are within the district now can't just, just simply can't relate to. Well, I come from a single, a single parent household, father not around. They said didn't have much growing up. So I feel like me coming back here was a way for me to build those relationships and give those students someone uh, to listen to. Because in our community nowadays, we don't have many positive. I'm not going to say we don't have role, positive role models, but most of the people that these younger kids look up to are gang affiliated. They don't have many positive black role models from the community they can look up to. So that's one reason why I really decided to come back, just to just let them see that there's something else out there besides the stuff that they're used to seeing. There's a relatability piece that I think you're really explaining very well here. And, you know, last uh, Thursday, I believe it was, I had an opportunity to sit down with Javon Bedward and Ben Tucker and, uh, and Napoleon Poe. Mm -hmm. And these gentlemen uh, spoke very candidly with me about the importance for role models in the community, yes. the need for role models in the community. And I think uh, in part because of the experience they've had, which, you know, listening to them share their stories, you know, it's um, it's it's as much about what's missing as about what they've had. And mm -hmm. what they said to me is that they want to ultimately be those role models for younger kids. And so if we can build a community of young people that feel uh, capable and motivated to give something back to their community the way you are now, we have a real shot, don't we? Yes, we do. And I think that Having someone like you on the team, when did you come back now in the professional? Uh, it was, it was, I got hired on September of last year. So this is my first full year being back within the district. So I've been in the district about a year and a half now. Okay. And in your former life, the one that didn't call you back after COVID, what was that uh, kind of? Uh, I was a supervisor for the facility in Illinois, working with individuals with developmental disabilities. I was what you call a QIDP. Oh, wow. So you, you sound like an empath. You've got deep empathy for people. I mean, you seem yes. to me to be someone who understands maybe how people are wired and some of the needs they have that maybe other people would overlook. Would that be a fair statement? Yeah, most definitely. It sounds like you came up in a, in a, a world that, you know, uh, that really needed to lead on empathy and really understand it. And, and in order to grow, and we have to understand, you know, what we've got in terms of support, mm -hmm. right? Now, this is a question I, I have to ask Mr. Green because, you know, John, you you seem to have a real knack for winding up in the company of good people. Now, I, I don't know how you managed to do it, but your team is extraordinary. And just in the last four and a half minutes of talking with Malcolm, I can see that he too is extraordinary. How do you do it? How Where do you find such good people and how do you get them excited about coming to Meridian? It's not about me. I can tell you that it's uh, other other people make the connections. <clears throat> you know, Mr. Larry, he grew up here, like you said, and, and 
Coach Haskins had spent a couple of years talking to me about how he would love to get Malcolm back in the district somehow because he was helping us coach and do some things of that nature. But I think, uh, you know, Coach Haskins has been in this area now for 25 years or so and has had quite a big impact on a lot of young kids and helped a lot of young kids as they transitioned into adults and has always kind of looked out for them. Um, You know, you can name a number of uh, people that are on staff, actually, uh, Malcolm, Coach Davis, uh, et cetera, mm-hmm. over the years. And so, you know, uh, he, I think he just kept putting the bug in Malcolm's ear. And then because of certain things that happened at the beginning of the pandemic and different changes in uh, jobs, an opportunity came and he stepped through the door. And, and originally he was just going to sub and hit and miss. And then, um, you know, unfortunately we had another employee that had some issues that had to be dealt with um, on a personal level. So we had an opening that needed to be uh, covered full time, which was in the second grade. And I know you probably can't tell because Malcolm is sitting down, but were you six, seven, six, six, 300 pounds. Wow. So you talk about, uh, you know, it's kind of like uh, kindergarten cop comes walking in to uh, <laughs> second That's grade. Um, but they absolutely just adore him. And so we went through that process. Um, thankfully, the teacher that he had filled in for came back. But we moved, uh, she moved to a different grade level and he has stayed in second grade. And more importantly, uh, currently Malcolm is working on. Uh, getting his teaching degree and actually before we jumped on this zoom call uh, with you he was quizzing me about uh, how long it took me to get my principal's degree and superintendent's degree and all those different things because he's kind of uh, decided on certain career path he may want to follow that's exciting that's so exciting so your what's your connection with coach haskins outside of the current role Malcolm? Oh, well, he was the athletic director when I played basketball at Meridian from my fifth grade year. I graduated in 12th grade. He always kept me close. He's always had words of encouragement for me. I go visit him at his house sometimes on the weekend. He's done a he's done a lot for me over the years. I appreciate that about him a lot. So uh, I consider him a person I can go and talk to and speak to. And uh, He doesn't sugarcoat anything with me. He keeps it 100%. So, yeah, I really do appreciate him in that aspect. Like I said, he's always been around ever since I've been at Meridian. I went from, to Meridian from pre-K through 12th grade. Back when I was in school, it was always about basketball. He saw something in me. He just wanted me to get better at, at perfecting my craft when it came to that. But uh, as I've grown older, like uh, Mr. Green said, he was trying to get me to come out here for a couple years. And I was like, I don't know if I can deal with kids. I don't know if I want to go that route. I don't know, coach. I have to think about it, coach. But then, like I said, when, it, when COVID hit and I lost uh, my job, shut down, I was like, you know what? What can it hurt? So I, I, I filled out the application and went through the interview. And I'm sitting here now, a year and a half later, enjoying it. 
Well, I know Mitch has done a lot of good for a lot of kids over a lot of years in Southern Illinois, you know, really from one end of Southern Illinois to the other, I suppose you could say. And that's remarkable that, you know, you've got access to someone like him and that he's been able to help you. And now you're giving back. It's paying, you're paying it forward, aren't you? Yes, yes, definitely am. And, you know, you said something earlier that I really loved, and it's not the first time I've heard it from within your school. I, um, had a wonderful conversation one day with Keith Blissett and Keith Blissett made a very clear point that this is about relationships, that we can't reach kids if we don't have a relationship with them. Um, Trust is really important. I think in general across our species, but I find it to be extremely important in your community. I I don't think it functions without trust. Am I right? That's most definitely. How do you build that kind of trust, that kind of relationship with a student, with a young person? I understand you've got some relatability, but how do you how do you manage that? Because, you know, a lot of these kids have been, you know, um, seen abuse of trust their entire lives. Right. Most definitely. Ways that I ways that I go about it is uh, just going up to them every day, shaking their hand. Uh, What's up, man? How you doing? Uh, How's your day going? If um, if I with the high school kids, I go to all the high school basketball games. I wasn't really familiar with a lot of the kids in the high school's name uh, this year, but uh, especially with the ones on the basketball team. But uh, after going to basketball teams and seeing them in the hallway, I walk up to them. Hey, man, uh, good game last night. I like what I'm seeing from you out there. Uh, maybe you could do this a little bit different. And um, with the elementary kids, it's like just them seeing – Somebody that looks like them walking down the hallway. Hey, Mr. Larry, how you doing, sir? So uh, just really like uh, having a genuine interest in the things that they're going through and asking them questions about how their day is going. And with a lot of with a lot of the kids, like I say, I can relate to them in the fact that like a lot of them don't have dads at home. A lot of them grew up. A lot of their parents, a lot of their they were either raised by their grandma or their mom. So uh, I relate to him in that way, like, hey, man, I went through it. I'm, I'm very empathetic to the things that you're going through right now. And uh, just don't degrade them more. If they're doing something they're not supposed to be doing, you obviously have to reprimand them. But connecting that negative with the positive, you know what right, I mean? Right. But, it, but the thing that I hear you saying is, you know, perhaps you rep, reprimand them, but really you're reprimanding the act. Right. You're not, you're not disrespecting the individual. It sounds to me like you recognize that respect is for the individual Mm -hmm. reprimanding is for the act. I mean, right. Right. You know, Mr. Green, when, when we think about the support structures an administrative layer has in a school, I know there's all kinds of complexities to it, but at the end of the day, doesn't it really come down to relationship building as well? Aren't the best results really achieved through relationships of trust that you're able to establish with your faculty with your team. How does that work between you and the people that join you on that team there in Meridian, including Malcolm here? Well, that's everything. I think that relationships and uh, trust building and team building is what makes any entity run and, and, and run well or, or better. I think it wouldn't matter what business you're in because ultimately, um, you know, it, there's only one of you. And you can only do as much as you can possibly do. So you got to put trust in the people who have other things to do, um, make them believe that they can get them done, support them when they need the support. And then also at the same time, if they don't get things accomplished, make sure that 
you either help them figure out how to get it accomplished or we got to find somebody else who's going to get it accomplished. Right. And those are different things. And it's kind of like uh, Malcolm was saying, um, I consider myself pretty easy to get along with, but at the same time, I'm going to be pretty straightforward with you and, and just be honest. And end of the day, that's all I can, I can do for you. Um, and if you need help, I'll do anything I possibly can to help you. But if you don't tell me and you just want to go out on your own um, and uh, then look for other people to blame, that's just not somebody that I need uh, in an organization. Um, unfortunately, sometimes, and, and especially when in our, the first years or so, we were just struggling to find people to work. Um, it's gotten better over these past four years. I think we've also uh, have been recruiting better people. Uh, as Malcolm said, you know, people that come from a background that have an understanding of what our kids deal with on a daily basis. Because I think that that can be shocking for people who may have not ex have experienced that. And sometimes they have a really hard time grasping that. Um, and I think you can come from a different place to have similar experiences that are relatable. Yeah. Uh, Craig, I know you and I have, you know, talked many times over the soon to be 20 years that we've known each other. Um, you know, I grew up on a farm. I mean, I have both parents and I wouldn't trade my parents for anybody in the world. I, I was extremely lucky with the parents I had. Uh, I also, you know, grew up for the first 13 years of my life in either a single wide trailer or a double wide trailer. And I guess you would consider that I was poor in some regards, but I didn't know it. Right. Um, I never, you know, went without. Um, but I think that all revolved around the fact that I had a very, very solid family structure. My grandparents on my dad's side, obviously farmed as well, lived a mile and a half away. And I, you know, those relationships growing up is how I've always kind of looked at how I want to run whatever I'm doing. You know, uh, your people are your family yeah. here at work. Yeah. Uh, your people at home are your family. Mm -hmm. And so there's going to be good times. There's going to be bad times. And I'm a big believer of not holding grudges. Mm-hmm. When I deal with something, I'm done with it. I'm moving on. Mm -hmm. If you need help two hours later, I'll be the first one there to help you. Yeah. No matter what we just dealt with two hours ago. Yeah. Because that's over. I'm done with it. And I, quite honestly, I think a lot of times people seem like that's weird. Yeah. But I also think that's because of the way society and culture is today. Right. Of kind of the promotion of holding those. And I think a lot of times our kids feel like that's what's going to happen to them when they get in trouble. That Mr. Larry is not going to like him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's going to carry that on every day. Uh, right. Literally, we, we have kids all the time who make up stories because they're so worried about what's going to happen to them later. Yeah. Whether it be at home or the next day at yeah. school. And look, we're we're done. That situation is dealt right. with. We're moving forward. Well, society has has kind of played a bunch of dirty tricks on us, I think. And it's it's turned us into uh, a bunch of folks that would rather get the emotional thrill 
of banging on somebody for a few minutes rather than just loving on them and letting those grudges go and letting some of those differences go. Um, conversation I had with Randy Gardner not too long ago, you know, one of the things that he said was he'd love to see it if, you know, we could just release the hatred, get rid of the hatred in the world. And, you know, there's no reason why we can't find a way to just kind of come together and get along. And Randy Gardner is part of your Meridian community. And we're going to speak with him a little bit later on today, I understand. Malcolm, we're coming up on graduation just two days from today. We'll be graduating these students. I know that those aren't the students that you're working quite as directly with, but at the same time, it's a small community. It's a village, right? And, you know, you see these kids in the hall, you know, these kids, you know, their families in many cases. And I really do believe that to sort of piggyback on what John said, it does take these relationships. It also takes that community, that village, because unlike Mr. Green, you know, who had the classic two parent household and he had the support from that side of, of his life. Some of these students don't, right? They don't. Some of them don't. So we have to fill in, don't we? We, we have to find ways to make it happen, that support that some of us, maybe we take for granted. When you look at the event that's going to occur this weekend, you're going to see a lot of proud people out there. You know, I hope that there are going to be some people from the community that don't share the same last name with these kids or don't share a house with these kids. I hope that the community will be there to support these kids. And I want to ask you, what do you see as a win with regard to the community's support for these kids? How would you score a win if you could imagine one? for these kids involving the community? I would uh, say a win would be just having the community come out as a whole and support them. Uh, We can come together for picnics and barbecues and concerts and things like that. Well, these kids graduating high school is a a compliment that some won't ever be able to do. I had a little brother that uh, was set to graduate in May of 2010, and he died in a car wreck two weeks before graduation. So uh, they actually have a, a memorial out here for him at the school. So um, just thinking about that and seeing that he didn't get a chance to walk the stage and seeing that some, none of my classmates, but classmates, uh, classes before me and after me, some of those kids died in like a tragic way. Graduation is the first step into adulthood. And I feel like we should all be proud that because these, these kids could be In this day and age, with everything that's going around in our community, these kids could be into gang violence. They could be out selling drugs. They could be out shooting guns. Or they could be either in a jail cell for 25 plus years. So them being able to say that they walked across the high school stage and received their diploma is a a great win. Because like I said, not everybody's going to get a chance to do it at all. You have so much to offer. I'm I'm so glad you're there. And I'm so glad I had an opportunity to to talk with you and maybe just get to know you a little bit. I hope that, you know, as we move forward, we'll have an opportunity to maybe tell a deeper story. And um, I, what was your, what was your little brother's name, Malcolm? Uh, His name was Martez. Martez. Mm -hmm. Be thinking about him and, you know, all the time. It's been uh, 13 years. It'll be 13 years next year. So it's been 12 in April. It was 12 years. Well, when you think about the opportunity that your younger brother did not get to have in his life, and when you look at these young men and these young women who will be walking across the stage on Saturday, this is a real opportunity. And I'd like to think that they would, uh, you know, maybe think a little bit about that plaque, think about that memorial, think about your little brother and the opportunity that they have that he didn't. 
and and to make something happen from it you know now, a lot of times i i will end my interviews with students with a question that um they they often will roll their eyes at me or they'll look up at the ceiling and think for a moment but i'm going to ask you that same question here if i may malcolm and that is simply this if i could give you a magic wand with unlimited scope and scale guaranteed to work and you could do anything with it you want it it's not limited to local, global, national. You can do whatever you want with it. What are you going to do with that magic wand? I would just try to wave it and give us a world that everybody gets along. Like, there's so much hatred in the world. I mean, I know pretty much you guys have seen the story about the mass shooting that happened in New York when the uh, guy walked into the supermarket and mowed down every black person he saw just because they were black. Like, that type of stuff like devise the country like we're we're never going to be able to come together as a whole as long as things like that are continuing to happen in our world and it starts at home kids don't come out the womb uh knowing what being a racist is that stuff is taught at home behind closed doors and until we can until we can get rid of all that, you know, we'll never come together as a whole. And that's, it's, it's too much, it's too much positive that can happen in this world that outweighs the negative for things like that to continue to happen. So that's what I would do. I can't think of a better use of a magic wand than to get rid of this awful, ugly behavior toward other people because of less than half a millimeter of skin that looks different than someone else's mm. right that's the difference half a millimeter what what are we upset about thank you for that gentlemen i appreciate your time chatting this morning um coach larry superintendent green you guys are the best uh i'm in awe of what i see happening in your schools every time i'm down there every time i talk to someone from your community um i walk away shaking my head just saying wow there's some good things happening there that they have a lot to be proud of. So again, thank you gentlemen so much. Thank you. Thank you, Craig. Well, that's it for this time. Once again, I want to give a shout out to the remarkable Meridian class of 2022, and to wish you all well in your future endeavors. Remember who you are, embrace your aspirations, and always stay Bobcat strong.